truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Thanks for joining us here today, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I'm Steve Dace. Totters and Aaron McIntyre are here with me as well. 888-900-3393 is the number here to the Blaze. That's 888-900-3393. You can also let us know what you think about what we think anytime, anywhere via the stevedace.com inbox. Email the program, steve at stevedace.com. That's for those of you listening on Blaze TV, or I'm sorry, on Blaze Radio and Podcast. That's D-E-A-C-E. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, at Steve Dace Show, at least until we're banned from all of those various platforms. We've got a jam-packed Tuesday coming up for you. Uh, next hour, we're going to talk some Pop Culture Tuesday. Um, and when does a love and a passion go too far? And we're going to talk about that coming up a little bit later on. Probably saw an example of that in Indianapolis uh, over the weekend. And then fake news or not. This week, we're not going to have any clips. We're going to, we're going to discuss some of our own best practices. Is it, and, and, and as a team here, gentlemen, we're going, to, we're going to discuss, and I don't know where you guys are at, and that's on purpose. I, I want to find out in real time. But uh, we're going to discuss two questions. Number one, has CNN just become so nuts that, you know, at 538, they have some polls that are so partisan, they refuse to count them? Right, their 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 record is so over the top. They they disqualify them from their overall sample. We've already talked about how we're not fact checking left media anymore because it's they've made it pretty clear they're really not interested in the facts. They're interested in their particular narrative, right? But when you go from your narrative to just being bat feces crazy, should we should we just pretend CNN does not exist. And then uh, the, the Trump campaign has a plan to uh, do to journalists what, what they have done to, well, people within the Trump campaign. Is that an example of <clears throat> we, we shouldn't lower our standards to theirs? Or is that hoisting them from their own petards? So we're going to debate those two media issues coming up this week. Fake news or not next hour at the bottom of this hour. We, we told you on the show, we wrote a column about it for the blaze, uh, a story out of Tennessee that I'm, I'm not surprised about many of you are because you've not been privy to these backroom conversations and these under the table email chains with among pro-life uh, activists and leaders as I have. But I, I wasn't surprised that Jim Bopp went down, the general counsel for National Right to Life, went down to Tennessee and started lobbying the legislature there to not be pro-life. I am surprised he got so desperate to do it, though. He let himself get on camera. And I, I think YouTube has taken that video down. No, I was able to find okay, it this morning. You were, yep. Okay, people were telling me they had taken it down, so maybe it's back up there. Uh, we're going to talk to a pro-life activist in Tennessee about that story coming up at the bottom of the hour. But before we get to all of those uh, zany hijinks, first, let's get the even zanier out of the way. Here's Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. 
What happened while we were away? Brought to you by Polls, Polls, Polls. A new Monmouth national poll finds Joe Biden sinking to third place. He's a point behind Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, who both have 20 points. Kamala Harris is a distant third. Of course, it's a national poll, but a bad poll for Joe Biden nonetheless. Another poll by Morning Consult shows Joe Biden still with a commanding lead over Bernie Sanders, 33% to 20%. Biden spoke to a crowd in New Hampshire yesterday. I just spoke at, a, at Dartmouth on health care at the medical school, or not, I guess I wasn't actually on the campus, but the people from the medical school were at the, I, I want to be clear, I'm not going nuts, I'm not sure whether it was the medical school or where the hell I spoke, but it was on the campus. Beta O'Rourke is barely registering in the aforementioned Monmouth poll, garnering just about 2%. Speaking of Robert Francis O'Rourke, he talked about third trimester abortion recently. I was born September 8th, 1989, and I want to know if you think on September 7th, 1989, my life had no value. Uh, of course I don't think that, and um, of course I'm glad that you're here. But you... you um, Reference my answer in in Ohio, and it remains the same. This is a decision that neither you, nor I, nor the United States government should be making. That's a decision for the woman to make. Uh, We want her to have... Republican primary challenger Joe Walsh is crashing and burning. No, I think, John, I think think we're all a little bit racist. Who hasn't had gay thoughts? Who? You okay? Yeah, I'm fine. We've all said racist things. Is there a bird in here? I swear I keep seeing a bird in the studio. I'll bet if you and I went through everybody's Twitter feed, we're going to find things that are objectionable and offensive. I was 18 when I was elected mayor, okay? So excuse me for that. Cindy Eckert had just turned me down for senior prom. Do you know how that feels? I should call her. I should. No, I shouldn't, and I'm not going to, and I'm proud of myself for that. So what has the impact been on your radio show? Um, 80 to 90% of my audience supports the president. I just found out that I lost my national radio show. So, so that's gone. Checking in on Hollyweird and the music industry, something called the Video Music Awards were last night, and I'm guessing you can probably figure out all the positive things those types of folks had to say. Regardless of who we love, regardless of how we identify, at the end of this video there was a petition, and there still is a petition, Woo! for the Equality Act, which basically just says we all deserve equal rights under the law. It now has half a million signatures, which which is five times the amount that it would need to warrant a response from the White House. Moving on, Michelle Plum of Horsham, West Sussex in England recently threw a wedding-themed birthday party to celebrate her 36th birthday. Except it wasn't just wedding-themed. She actually declared she's marrying herself. Her invitations read, quote, I'm 36 years old on the 16th of August this year and have made it all this way without marrying anyone. Well done me. So seeing as I have no intentions to do so for real, sorry Ben, I want to have a wedding. Learning Spanish today, today's phrase is America, come here illegally if you want, but please don't marry yourself. America, ven aquí ilegalmente si quieres, pero por favor no te cases. Moving from bat crap crazy to bat crap crazy, this headline from Pink News reads, Jamie and Holly are both gay and co-parenting together. We were 
I don't ever call you my co-parent. No, I, yes. I, I always call you the father of my child. Yes. And, you and were... then watch people try and figure out <laughs> what it means. Yeah. Mostly I just had a child to confuse straight people. That was really essentially my entire... My entire reason for doing it. Kirkwood Community College in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, has fired a professor by the name of Jeff Klinsman after he openly admitted to being a part of Antifa. According to KCRG-TV... Klinsman's worked at Kirkwood since 2010, and his use of social media doesn't stop with Antifa. A search through his Facebook page shows over the years he's also made statements expressing his desire to stop evangelical Christians, where he included a poem that said kill them all and bury them deep in the ground. Adding, it's not pretty and I'm not proud, but seeing what evangelical Christians are doing to this country and its people fills me with rage and a desire to exact revenge. According to the Washington Post, video footage from at least one camera in the hallway outside the jail cell of alleged sex trafficker Jeffrey Epstein is too damaged to be of any value for investigators looking into his death earlier this month, which was ruled a suicide. And finally, and for something completely different, here's this. And that's what happened while we were away. The Amazon Capital One data breach just hit, which puts 106 million of us in danger because our names, home addresses, banking information, passwords, etc., were the things we use to uh, to verify ourselves when we go online. All of that has now been exposed. So I know a lot of you have identity theft protection, which is good. So you're not so much worried about somebody pilfering your PayPal account or putting a credit card in your name, but... Here's what the scammers are doing now. It's called home title fraud because now that they have the information that you use to access your home title online, they go into those databases. They sign in as you with your information and then sign their homes over to themselves. They liquidate all of your equity using your home as collateral, sticking you with the payments. And who knows, uh, maybe even a foreclosure notice. Now, the first 60 days after this happens is key because they try to strike when the iron is hot because after a while, uh, the breach will be closed. That's why today, Home Title Lock is offering all of you 60 risk-free days of protection for what will be, for most Americans, the most valuable and important investment they'll ever make, their own home. 60 risk-free days of protection only at HomeTitleLock.com. Go there, put in your home's address, find out if it's already been targeted by scammers. HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. Well, let's let's get to the montage. And Aaron, can I can I ask you a big picture big picture question? Sure. How how difficult is it for you to find some of this information? I mean, are you? And I've not asked you this before. Are, are you really looking to to kneecap the audience to shank me, or is is this like top level news that you're just getting? You you could find it like the the real clear politics rundown or, or the front page of Drudge. Um. No, I just, I have a feeling for what needs to be in the montage, and I gather it from a variety of, of sources. I mean, I've told people, as long as I know what my lead story is, then the rest of it kind of just flows from there. Uh, here's why I'm asking. Maybe I should put a more, give you more local color here. here. Here's why I'm asking this question. So I get up this morning, 
uh, take out some trash, do some things before everybody gets up at 6 37 o'clock. Everybody's about to get up because Noah's at Des Moines Christian now. So we have like a regular school family. We have something we've never had before. But I'm up early. I got some stuff I got to do. Plus, I got to get ready to go to my workout so I can come into work. And I go outside. The windows are all open. I go outside. It's a beautiful preview of a fall morning. And I'm looking around my neighborhood. And, and, and I know um, people vote for different candidates and think different things. But much of what is in that montage... And it would, the people in my suburb, regardless of their feelings on the politics of the day, would find that knucking futs, okay, is what they would find that stuff, right? And, and so when I, and, and I, and I, I was like assured, I'm like, I need to remember what I do is not, is not America. I need to keep that. I had, I had this optimistic perspective and then I, and then I watched your montage, and um, I'm crushed. You're welcome. So, are you tr- I, are you trying to crush me, or is this just this is the news? Uh, you want the honest, you're yes. obvious answer. Yes, yes. I, I want everybody who sees <clears throat> this to choke on this bleep. Okay, all right. So this is kind of your own editorial commentary. Uh, did I editorialize at all? No, I mean, in terms of what you're oh, selecting for motive. news. In terms of the motive, I mean, yes. yeah. Yeah, all right. Can I? May I? Because I sure. Uh, sure. remain to what you said. I, my wife and I go on a uh, walk uh, many mornings early on, but I, and I had a similar pause in my neighborhood. Did you? Which is at a different and you just part looked of around town, and you're like, much like yours, but, yeah. but I had the opposite. I had a pause, but I had the opposite reaction. I had the reaction of, this is, you know... The Shire, the, the idyllic notion of the Shire, mm-hmm. but fully knowing that outside of what I can see, the the Urukai are marching, mm-hmm. and it, it's only a matter of time. There wasn't like I didn't have the sense of peace. Like this is this is my reality, and some and this isn't. Uh, this is actually America, and the other things over there. It, I'm with Aaron. I am absolutely okay. with Aaron. It, it could also be. That, that I just need a vacation. And football. And football. It's and and, we're, and we've got one coming up here uh, in, in 48 hours. I, I just need to unplug for a bit, you know? So let, let's get to what, what is in the montage. Let, let, we're going to talk more about the, uh, the, the, the polling from Monmouth yesterday in the overtime for our subscribers at blazetv.com slash days. If you're, if you're not yet a subscriber, we're going we're gonna to get more in-depth on this for you today in the overtime for now there's a couple of things though i think you should know um one we remain on this show advocates of this school that really the only opinions that matter at this point are the opinions of people in iowa and new hampshire because they're going to be doing the majority of the voting um and it, well they're going to be doing all the voting uh when we get this process started here in, in, in early february next year the reason the monmouth poll is of interest is because it's a total outlier or is it? That's what we're going to debate in the in in and discuss today with the overtime. For now, though, because we have a wider audience here, I, I want to educate you on polling. It is not true that the larger the sample, the more accurate it is. That's just not true. Okay, so I, I saw today people banning about and and you know we get this in politics like in sports, right? 
if you're if you're if your college football team won their bowl game and the quarterback is coming back, we were young last year and everybody returns. Like everybody who won a bowl game has everybody returning. Well, I don't know. Hot damn, somebody got picked in the NFL draft. Some teams not not doesn't have everybody back. You know what I'm saying? But that's that's a trope everybody says. Week one, if your team sucks and underperforms the point spread. Well, you know, we held back the offense. We didn't put anything on tape. You're right, because the guys you're playing next week, they just don't, they're, they're meandering through the football wilderness and have no idea what's coming at all except because you didn't put anything on tape against Southeast Armpit Tech, and so they're going to be shocked next week. I mean, these are common tropes that are just not true, and, and social media gives people more of a license to be dumber while sounding very confident that they're not. Right, Taylor Swift? So, um, it's not true that the wider the sample, the more accurate the poll is. That's just not, it's not true. Actually, I, I would trust a wider sample poll less. You know why? Because that means it's not as screened. It's not screened as well. So, you know, Morning Consult is Politico. The, they had a poll that contradicted what Monmouth had. And they still have Biden with a fairly sizable margin in their national tracking poll. And Monmouth has essentially what amounts to a three-way tie when you factor in margin for error. And one of the things I'm seeing on Twitter, including from people who ought to be smarter than this, not to mention any names. Well, the Monmouth poll is, uh, it's an outlier. It's a small poll, uh, a small sample size. And the Politico poll is of 17,000 people. Is that what they said their sample was? Something like that. Okay. Um. If you go to 538, which is kind of the drudge report for polling, one of the things they do there is they rate over the course of history of their site, they rate the accuracy of pollsters. And I mean, they've got, it's, you know, more than 50 polls are rated on that site. Do you want to know what one of the highest rated polls on that entire site happens to be? Is it the one that uses the sample of 17,000 people? Or is it the one that put out a sample of only 289? What do you think? Just kind of guess. What do you think, Todd? What do you think? What do you think? Be, be Twitter uh, uh, badass know-it-all. Who do you, which, which poll do you think uh, they say is the more accurate one over there at 538? The former? Yeah, the one with the 17,000 people? It's not. No. Yeah, it's actually one of the most mediocre polls. It's a, it's a B- minus grade, which is very mediocre. Uh, there's like I think I counted six polls. I went over there and looked today. I counted six polls out of the 50 some odd that are rated by uh, 538 that are given an A plus rating. Can you guess which one it is? Can you guess? Guess, Aaron. Which one do you think it is? Uh, um, Monmouth. It's, it, it's Monmouth. Yeah. <laughs> Chocolate, vanilla, and strawberries. Thank you. Yes. Beavis. Uh, Monmouth is one of, it, it's, it's, it's creme de la creme in public polling. In fact, I, 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 dared to defy the Monmouth poll during the 2016 Iowa caucuses. Maybe you guys will recall this. They had this crazy turnout model in their Iowa caucus polling. They were assuming a turnout of 180,000 Iowa, Iowa Republicans to come out and vote. I said, there is no way that's going to happen. And I, I put my knowledge of history and the numbers and data of the Iowa caucuses up against anybody. It's put food on my table the last several years. It was almost exactly the turnout that we actually had on caucus. <laughs> is what Monmouth projected the turnout model was going to be. Okay? So that doesn't mean that this poll is right. But if it's wrong, it won't be for any of the reasons that are currently being bandied about. Okay? It won't be, it won't be for any of those reasons. Those are, those are all fantasies. Sort of like in 2012, we have our fantasies on the right too. You know, 2012 it was, 
skewed polls. I think there was even a website that went viral, skewpolling.com. The polls weren't skewed. Uh, 2016, the polls were all wrong. I've walked you through that process a million times. No, they were almost exactly right, actually. Uh, 2018, the rigged. No blue wave. No way there's going to be a 40 Democrat seat wave in the House. It was actually 42. So they were pretty much right on the money. I don't know outside of Rasmussen, which, by the way, is a C-minus poll at 538. So that's terrible. But I I don't know outside of Rasmussen and its 51% approvals. I'm not sure what the term du jour. We kind of haven't had the conservative media uh, cabal get together yet what, and feed us our talking points. Yeah, once right. we get that figured out, I'm we'll buying, let you know. I'm buying that domain. Yeah, by by, the way. so we, we we it won't. I can here's what I can tell you: it won't be skewed and rigged. Yeah. We tried skewed and it won't be skewed wrong or rigged. We tried skewed in 2012, wrong in 2016, and rigged in 2018. Fake right? polls, fake polls. I, I, you know what? You should buy that. Fakepolls.com. Right yeah, buy it right now. Yep, buy it right now. All right. Because that's probably what it's going to be: fake polls from fake news. Right? That, but we will. We in conservative media don't don't worry. Those of you that cannot take any information whatsoever that doesn't rub your belly, I I can promise you there will be a term de jour that we in conservative media will have in order to mislabel any poll that doesn't have Donald Trump winning by North Korean margins next year. I can I can promise you, and it's that's being tested right now. And if, if I was going to put odds on that, you know, I'm doing a lot of that nowadays. I kind of like your, your entry there, fake polls. I like that. Yeah, okay. fake news, fake polls is available for 12 bucks. I'm buying it. Fakepolls.com. That yeah. seems like a good investment. It's a good long-term play. Yep. I like it. Yep. I like that play. By the way, I, I said the other, the other day on the show, I do think we are devolving at such a rapid rate media-wise that this could finally be the year that we do just get flat out fabricated. Didn't we just have this conversation yes, last we week? I, I do think that's possible. I, I think we are just making stuff up now at such a rapid clip. And maybe I'm just forever broken by the Epstein story. That's entirely possible too. I mean, now now the video footage was is, is unusable. I, I mean, this is this is so clunky, so obvious, so ham-fisted what's going on here it, that it insults the intelligence. But they're so desperate to make this go away because of how many elites are caught in the crossfire hurricane of this that they're just going to do it anyway. So if, if we have crossed that line, then we already know there is no self-awareness. We know this. None is being asked of anyone, nor will any be demanded. I mean, what's going on with Joe Walsh right now is another, is uh, I'll take reason number 10,987,412, why self-awareness is dead for $1,000, Alex. I mean, what, I, I can I just tell you again? That's another lie. Joe Walsh did. Joe Walsh did not get lose his radio show <laughs> because he, because uh, of, of defiance because he's been defying Donald Trump. He's been ripping Trump and defying him on that show. I'm guessing giving his Twitter feed yeah. for the last year. Mm-hmm. There's there's things called equal time stipulations. You cannot run a national campaign for president while then being on the national radio, all right? Salem can't do that, guys, okay? He, he fired himself when he declared he was a candidate. They can't, they can't put him on the air because, because then it could be demanded that anybody, will, Bill Weld, well, Steve, Salem's in the tank for Trump. Well, that's true, okay? Joe Walsh aside, show aside, but the problem is he's not even the only, he's not even the only primary candidate. 
Bill Weld has announced that he is he is contemplating. He could he could then say I get I get equal time. You know, Joe Walsh gets three hours a day. I get three hours it's, a day on Salem Radio it's Network. So dumb. It's if just, you believe Joe Walsh lost his show because he, he well again he did lose his show because he's primarying Donald Trump just for not the reasons that are being implied. You can't do that, guys. Same would happen here. In fact, I, I, I wonder if I decided I was going to run for governor or Congress, those are statewide or district elections, how would that play in? Although we're on the internet, so it doesn't really apply here. We don't have FEC regulations here. So it doesn't apply. But if I was still on Salem Radio, and if I wanted to run for governor in Congress, be fascinating to see how they would negotiate that, right? Yeah. But you're running for a national office on a national show. They have to give equal time to all of those other candidates. When Joe Walsh fired himself when he made this decision, he is not a victim. He chose yeah. to go down this path. And I'm guessing it's not his first day in the radio business. He has to know this, okay? On on Sunday, he was invited on to call Trump all the names. Uh, and then on Monday, he comes back and... Uh, and he begins a sentence by saying, you know, I think we're all a little racist, actually. I, I, no. So, I, so, so self-awareness is just gone. Yeah. And we've gone so far past self-awareness, they're just going to insult our intelligence now like they're doing with Jeffrey Epstein. So I, I, I absolutely do think that this coming election could very well be the year. Finally. You know, those of you that have been predicting for 20 years, every poll that is bad is, is fake. You're like economists who predict a recession every year. Sooner or later, it's going to be one, and you're going to be right. All right? Well, we, we finally may have devolved. In fact, I would put even odds on that right now. Even odds money line bet that, that the, da- the majority of the data you get next year is just all made up, whole cloth. I'd put it on money line even odds. I wouldn't, I wouldn't give you plus 200 or 2 to 1 or 3 to 1. Money line straight up bet. That's how far we have devolved. I mean, we've got the New York Times, America's all racist. I mean, no fact checkers. I, I, I don't know why. At this point, I'll kind of be disappointed if they don't. I mean, if you're going to ruin your credibility in every other arena, why like keep doing objective math? <laughs> I mean, if, you're, if, this is, if we're just going flat out affirmative propaganda at this point, then let's just go ahead and get busy living or get busy dying here, Shawshank. Let's just go all the way with it. Don't have like this one closet with the pencil-nosed uh, geeks with the Skolnick pocket protectors over here that are still actually crunching numbers. Just say, hey, this is the poll number we need today. Stat. Word. We got you. Just do that. That would actually be... In fact, I might actually give you uh, higher odds that I'm talking myself into actually giving you plus odds that they won't do that. That's how much more confident I'm getting in my cynicism of, of the process but previously all those other years that you thought the polls were wrong they didn't tell you what they wanted to say they weren't this could very well be the year though that that is entirely true you know so um but we're going to discuss that poll and whether it, it, it we think it's an indicator or not i just i wanted to have the nuts and bolts conversation here with the largest audience possible because i just can't i don't like standing by and watch people get misinformed i just don't like it and I originally got into this business with the intent of slaying progressivism with all my might. And, and that's still my ultimate goal. The problem is I keep getting interrupted by, by your horse bleep. And I just, I can't let it go. I can't. I'm sorry. You know, I'm, 
I, I keep lock. I, I, we get to that point in the Coward of the County song. I, I, I just keep locking the door from the inside. And I just have to unload on all y'all because I, I hate scams. And I, I don't care what uniform, what side does this. There's just something in my being I can't stand by and say nothing while people are either being deceived or deceiving themselves. It's, it's my spiritual gift. Um, Beta or work, what the hell? Okay, but to the gentleman that asked that question, keep asking that question more and more often. Because I can promise you this. The majority of the American people are not going to applaud that they would have been fine with your mom killing you the day before you were born. They're, they're not. They're not. The majority of the American people aren't going to applaud life begins at conception, overturn row. They're not going to applaud that. I recognize that. Not going to dissuade me from my position, but I recognize that. Okay, I don't lie to myself about what reality is. But they are not going to applaud. Yes, we'd have been totally fine if your mom killed you and eradicated your family line the day before you were born when you were a fully developed child. They're not going to do that. All right? In fact, there was a recent survey of this done by Pew that found 18% of Americans had that position. 18%. There's a survey out yesterday that shows only 22% of Democrats want Medicare for all. We're getting commercials for every Democratic presidential candidate right now. Can you think of one of them that's not running on Medicare for all? I cannot. Is Andrew Yang running on Medicare? I'm asking. That, that might be a guy that, you know, he might be enough of a, a numbers guy still. Maybe he's not doing it. I don't know. But a hell of a lot more than 22% of their 75 presidential candidates are running on a policy that apparently 80% of Democrats don't <laughs> I need a vacation. More in a moment. If you're one of the millions of Americans fighting a losing battle right now with what's called chronic pain, uh, this is pain that comes from inflammation in the joints and in the body. Uh, this isn't from an injury. If you have an injury, get professional medical care. All right. But uh, if, if you're fighting a losing battle against chronic pain because of inflammation, I was one of those as well. Couldn't sleep on the, the, my most comfortable side in bed because that's also, um, you know, where I've got some alignment issues. And so I've got some inflammation there. Um, you know, recovery post-workouts. I was dragging. The guys here can tell you. I mean, I was a frequent complainer coming in here in the mornings. All of that went away, though, when I, I, I took somebody's suggestion here at The Blaze to go with Relief Factor. Now, when I used to just appear here as a guest on various shows and I hear the host rave about this, I'm like, is it really? Is it really that good? Well, I can tell you now that I'm one of the hosts here uh, talking about this product and I use it on a daily basis that, at least in my life, the answer is a resounding yes. And here's what I love about Relief Factor the most. Four key all-natural ingredients, and it's 100% drug-free, even though it's a formula that was put together by doctors. So what that tells you is they're not just looking to rack up, uh, you know, write scripts and help you mitigate pain. They're trying to unleash the body's God-given ability to push back against inflammation. If you want to try this yourself, they're offering a starter kit right now. It's a dollar a day for three weeks, just 20 bucks 
What did he have to lose for a dollar a day? I think you might finally have to lose the pain. Go to relieffactor.com to get your starter kit right now at relieffactor.com. So just to refresh your memory, last week on the show, we played the following video of the chief legal counsel for National Right to Life going down to the Tennessee state legislature and telling them not to be pro-life. Watch. But that's, that's all we know. There is no objective evidence that we have more than one vote to overturn Roe v. Wade. Now, how do we get a willing court if we're really not sure, and we should never stop when we're not sure that we have a willing court? This is too important. We need to make sure we build a willing court. How do we do that? We reelect President Trump, and we reelect a majority in the Senate. So there's Bob talking to uh, pro-life legislature, legislators in Tennessee like they're seven, like they're children. Hey, guys, I'm Mr. Green Jeans, and I can see you and you and you through my romper room mirror, okay? Let me tell you how this politics things work. I, I know you guys just all got elected, right? And so you did something right to get here. But, but let me tell you, how does it work? What do we do? So I've had these conversations with Jim, Bob, myself, all right? And... It's been the rare times in my life I, I have. Uh, let, let me give Jim Bob some credit. He taught me that I could practice levels of self-restraint I previously didn't know were possible. If you kind of get what I did there. Yeah, guys, picking up what you're putting down. All right, yeah. So I guess I give him credit for that. I, he did teach me that the, the, the fruit of the Spirit, self-control, was there somewhere. <laughs> he taught me that. So I guess I'll give him credit for that. So we had much to say about this on the show last week. We, I, I walked you through my own experiences with Mr. Bopp, and, and this is not new. Um, you know, this idea, and, and by the way, we, we just had the very scenario that he articulated. It was called 2017 and 2018, all right? And I was on a show yesterday that asked me about this video and, my, and the piece I wrote for The Blaze about it. And he, the host asked me, hey, when are we going to get this scenario that he talked about? I said, you know what? For guys like Bopp that are political hacks, they're like the political Darwinists. Cambrian explosion, it's not thousands of years, it's millions of years. New fossil record, not, hundreds of millions of years. Hundreds of billions of years, trillions of years, quadzillion years. How many years do we need? All the years. All the years. It's all the years. In fact, we're going to go, we're going to end up eventually Darwinism is going to take us to no years. No years. No years, no time. Never happened. All right. So, so because we, 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 we will never have this scenario that he talks about unless we actually push the argument and the conversation. So maybe I was too tough on Mr. Bob. Now I happen to be fairly confident that I was not, but let's get a perspective from someone who's on the ground down there in Tennessee. Uh, and he joins us now. Uh, David Fowler is the CEO of the family action council of Tennessee. He joins us here on blaze TV, radio and podcast. David, it's good to have you with us here on the blaze. How are you? It's great to be with you. Great to be with you. And uh, thank you for bringing up Captain Kangaroo uh, and, and Mr. Green Jeans. I didn't know you were old enough to know about this. I, I you know, hey, don't <laughs> don't let uh, the baby face fool you. I'm, I'm almost 50. OK, so okay. I don't pull it off quite like Ralph Macchio did when he was 47 in The Karate Kid. But, I, you know, I'm, I'm getting there. All right. OK. So, all right, good, so, good. so, David, um, am I being unfair about what went down in your state recently? No, uh, no, you weren't. I was I was there for uh, the the entire hearing, uh, except for the last little part on the second day. And I was one of the witnesses for the bill that was 
being considered. Um, and, and, you know, when you ask when will this time occur, I would simply say that, that Mr. Bopp told us when the time occurred. It occurred in 1992. If, if the clip had continued on, he went on to say, uh, we actually had good reason, his words, to believe we had seven justices that would reverse Roe versus Wade in 1992, and we wound up with four. So we, we played his game all the way up into 1992, had, I think it was eight of the nine justices. He's talking about the Casey decision is, the, is what he's the referencing, Casey decision. right? Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And, and they had good reason, he said, according to his own calculations, to have seven justices who would reverse Roe versus Wade. And they wound up with four in the Casey decision. And I would submit when you actually read the Casey decision, the, the court said, look, we really haven't been challenged directly to reconsider Roe. So, quote, the court said, the, uh, the, the opinion is not really before us, so we're left to consider only the precedential weight we'll give the opinion. So, so what's happened over the years is since Roe versus Wade, nobody's directly challenged it. And so the court, like, like most human beings, when you're never forced to answer the right question, you won't and you'll avoid it. And so we kept trying to go roundabout to get it Roe versus Wade, never directly challenging it, hoping we'll get enough judges who will be willing to do the right thing. But if they're never forced to do the right thing, if the if the right question isn't put at them, you won't get the right answer. And so we keep giving them sideways questions that allow them to um, sidestep Roe versus Wade. And the intent in Tennessee was to say, we're not going to let you keep sidestepping. It's 46 years now. You've given us enough clues, enough hints enough good language, it's time to now use them. And as I said uh, at the end of my testimony, lay, lay the acts of truth against the deceased roots of the court's 14th Amendment jurisprudence in Roe. Amen to absolutely everything you just said. And if I, if I could give our audience a Star Wars reference, Roe v. Wade is the thermal exhaust port of the Death Star here, okay? And, yeah. and so if you remember the, 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 you know, the first Star Wars movie, they're, they're, they didn't just send one X-Wing fighter against the entire empire and said, all right, you sneak in there and if the conditions are perfect and right, all right, try to hit the, try to get your torpedoes through the thermal exhaust port. They had squadrons of A-wings, X-wings, uh, Y-wings, okay? Uh, and, it just, and they had to fire that many squad. They were all, by the way, given the mission of getting in the trench to go after the thermal exhaust port, knowing most of them wouldn't make it. Most of them would lose. They were going up against an entire Imperial Armada. So the hope was if we throw enough of them at this at this armada, we can at least get one of them through to get one-on-one -on -one with the exhaust port. What's right. wrong with pursuing that as a legal strategy? Because because here's why I'm asking this. A lot of mm -hmm. my audience hasn't been mm -hmm. privy to the conversations of men like Jim Bopp, like I have as an activist in this for the last decade and in, right. in a, in a, in a, in a primary, in a, in a primary presidential state. So I get access to right. guys like him all the time. They're right. shocked to see this video. I, the amount of emails I got from people, they were stunned to see him. On, now I was stunned to see him on camera too. Not because I was stunned to hear him say it. Cause I've heard him say this to my face. 
Okay, mm-hmm. I, I was stunned that he was desperate enough to reel you guys in, that he was willing to get out from underneath the smoke-filled room and the and the quiet email chains and come down to your legislature on camera and say it. Which tells me they're afraid they're losing the they're losing the control of the activists like you. Your guys are kind of like you know enough of this. We're going to do this ourselves, kind of a thing. But sure. our I want our audience to know. That there's reasons for this strategy because they're having a hard time. Why would National Right to Life oppose this? Legally, what is wrong with the strategy of looking at the, at the Death Star and saying, yeah, we're going to have Iowa do this, we're going to have Alabama do this, Tennessee do this? Because if we just rely on one state, they can kill off one state, right? Sure. Why not, let's sure. throw everything we have at them, and then maybe eventually we have one federal judge that, sees the, that calls the question, and maybe then we get cert at the Supreme Court. What's wrong with that strategy? Well, there's there's nothing wrong with that strategy, actually. And uh, I'm, I'm writing a commentary again this week where where Abraham Lincoln said after the Dred Scott case, this is this is an important case dealing with the, the slave who, who was in Missouri and whether he had a right to sue in federal court. And the Supreme Court said, well, you can't be part of the people who become citizens because they didn't intend slaves were insubordinate and inferior beings. And, and Abraham Lincoln wisely said, when we allow the judgment or the decision of a court in one case between two private parties to fix the public policy for the whole people, we have surrendered our ability to govern ourselves to the Supreme Court. So the point of his statement is the Supreme Court decides a case between you and me. That doesn't mean that I can't pass the same legislation time after time after time after time, or I can't pass 15 different kinds of legislation. I have the, the ability, the authority under the Constitution to do that as long as I am willing to do it. And I just think of the story in, in Luke 18 of the unfortunate widow who just kept saying, give me my justice, give me my justice, give me my justice. And finally he relented. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a fine strategy. It doesn't set us back. It only sets us back if court opinions are treated as if they are addendums and additions and revisions to the U.S. Constitution. And they are not. That's the, the big problem. We treat these opinions in private litigation as if they are changes to the U.S. Constitution. And the U.S. Constitution always controls. The, the second thing that, that, that's interesting here, Steve, that may not have been picked up by some of uh, your listeners is that we have a unique legal theory that's never been tried. Mr. Bopp dismissed it as simply clever, uh, to be honest, because he said, if I've been around 46 years, and if this was a good argument, I surely would know about it. Um, <laughs> but, but, but the argument is the Ninth Amendment has been laying dormant for years, and it says that nothing in the enumerated rights shall be construed, which would be a reference to courts or legislative bodies, to deny or disparage other rights held by the people. Now, the 14th Amendment did not abrogate or abolish or repeal the Ninth Amendment. And so we went into court and we said, well, you have your 14th Amendment jurisprudence, your 14th Amendment opinions, fine for you, good for you. But the Ninth Amendment and the Tenth Amendment preserved to the people in their state legislative bodies to protect the other rights they have. And one of the other rights, where do we find them? We find them in the common law. And specifically, how do we know what the common law said? It was Blackstone's commentaries. The Supreme Court has said on multiple occasions, William Blackstone's commentaries on the laws of England were the definitive legal treatise for lawyers 
in, in the 17th and 18th and even into the 19th century. And so in Blackstone's commentaries, he said at the common law, there were three absolute rights, one of which was the right to life. And he even said, including the unborn in the mother's womb. So we are taking the position that we're going to base our ban on abortion on the Ninth Amendment and the power of the state to make more secure those pre-governmental, God-endowed, uh, natural law-endowed rights that we all have. And we're going to pit that against your 14th Amendment jurisdiction to show how silly and foolish it was for you to deny that the unborn natural persons are not persons. So, so we're taking an unusual legal argument here that's never been tried and just being dismissed out of hand, to be honest. Final thing I want to ask you about politically, David, yeah. the, the reason he went down there, right. I believe, and he was desperate right. enough to come into the light and say those things on camera, right. is he's, he's trying to find who your squishes are yeah. and trying to provide them some cover to be squishes, to, to put the kibosh on what people like you are trying to do. All right. So did it work? Mm -hmm. What's been the aftermath since he went down there, since he left? What's happened? Well, um, we, we had two votes out of nine for the bill back in April. We now have three solid votes, and we have another po uh, another two potential votes, to be honest, which would be five out of nine, and that would get the bill to the floor. And if it gets to the floor, it'll pass. The, the thing that, that Mr. Bopp carries with him is, well, you've been at it a long time, and you're a legal – you're a, a lawyer who practices in the courts. Mm -hmm as if actually knowing the law, knowing jurisprudence, knowing the proper boundaries of judicial authority under the Constitution are irrelevant. I, I keep thinking of the scene in Chicago, just law is all about razzle-dazzle. Can I convince a judge to go in my direction rather than somebody else's while we don't debate the actual law itself? And, and so those guys are so easily swayed by well, these guys have been doing it for 30 and 40 years, and, and they're used to working in the courts. And you had a law professor, and you don't work in the courts, and so you can't possibly know how to win in court. Uh, but the issue in court is a legal issue, if we will make it a legal issue. If we want to make it a political issue, as uh, Mr. Bob wants to do, then, yeah, we got a political issue, and we're liable to keep losing, as we have for 46 years and as we did in 1992. I'm tired of that. Amen. May your house increase, David. We need more, and the and the and our, our for, so that our audience understands. They always try to kill these things in a committee, right. because they know they can't vote against a pro life bill on the floor in broad daylight. They they That's right. you know you know the 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 squishes in the Republican Party. The goal is always to hide the fact they're squishes, so they don't ever face primary challenges. So they right. always try to kill these bills in a committee, so they don't have to expose their squishiness on the House on the actual legislative floor with the cameras right. rolling. And so that's why that's the right. battle is always at the committee level to get it out of the committee. I will say one last little point, and then of course go wherever we want, and or we can finish. But the state executive committee for the state Republican Party on Saturday passed a very strongly worded resolution to urge the legislature, it was sent to the governor and to all members of the legislature, to pass pro-life legislation in 2020 that recognizes the unborn as a person Good. from conception forward. So the Republican Party has said to its elected membership in the legislature, we expect you to do this because this is what our party supposedly stands for.
And that's why you get a Jim Bob to come out from behind the shadows and go down there in person because they're worried now. They're worried sure. that you states sure. are you states are, are tired of, of of waiting for Washington, and you're taking it upon yourselves to compel the issue. And that means the the guys in D.C. don't control the the process anymore. And that's the, what they're afraid of more than anything else. David Fowler, thank you for joining us here today on the Blaze, and keep us updated on what's going on down there. And if we can help, don't hesitate to ask. Okay, I will. Thank you for the time to be with you today. You bet. Take care. God bless. Bye. Uh, we had about a minute and a half. Any thoughts on the conversation we just had here, gentlemen? He just reminds me a lot of our friend uh, Bob Vanderplatz. Uh, yeah. People have various notions of what it means uh, to be a dude, but those guys are uh, very uh, friendly, soft-spoken dude, not yellers, not screamers, but one thing that uh, they have in common with each other and with us, just no BS. Yeah. That, that was a, there was a resolve there. I'm not, we're just not taking it from yep. you, but thank yep. you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 100 guys like that. Uh, in positions like that, uh, like, like he is in, and um, you could do a lot. You could at least you could at least tick off a lot of the right people and ask a lot of the right questions. At the very least, you could do that. But you could, I think, accomplish a lot. A hundred guys like that, and uh, it's always encouraging to hear it. But um, it, unfortunately, there's there's a lot more guys like Jim Bop at least right now than than the man that we just heard from, and. Um, you, you see what happens when you force things that are done in darkness to come out into the light that the fraud is being exposed. Mm-hmm. And that's that's probably the most encouraging thing from this entire saga. It'll be even better if they can pass what they're wanting to. How about the arrogance? Boy, I've debated so many of these kinds oh of lawyers gosh. over the years. Well, if, there, if it's not a strategy I've heard of, it probably won't work. So you've never read the Ninth Amendment? Or you, didn't, you don't know what the Ninth Amendment says and you're a lawyer? Most lawyers haven't studied constitutional law. At least in terms of what the actual Constitution says. And that's even at the conservative schools. Hour two is next. Back with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I'm Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. If you are listening to us today via the podcast, if you wouldn't mind, leaving us a five-star review on your podcast preference, we would be grateful because the more of those we get, the more the algorithms like us, and the more they like us, the more they help us find people like you. And then the more people like you we find, the more likely we are to get to come in here and get paid to do this. So that would be really cool. We would... We would prefer that, and you can play a role there. So thank you. Thank you to the thousands of you that have left us those five-star reviews already. If you have time today to do so, please, we would be grateful to you as well. 888-900-3393 is the number. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email us. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And again, the last name is D-E-A-C-E. If you've ever wondered why you can't seem to control your appetite, while you're not making the progress you had hoped for as you're trying to get healthier and lose weight this year. Well, regardless of your diet or your commitment, uh, maybe you'll always feel hungry. And believe it or not, sometimes it might not even be your fault. Um, It's not about willpower. Sometimes it's about nature. Our brains were wired for survival. That means they will tell our body, hey, we need more calories if indeed we try to cut back and eat healthier and less often. No matter how much, we eat at that time. Luckily, your body produces a molecule. It's called OEA, 
which works as sort of a signal that goes from the gut to the brain to let the, the brain know that the belly is full and you can stop eating. This is what's supposed to regulate your portion sizes, your craving controls, etc. Uh, but uh, for too many of us, that signal just isn't as strong as it needs to be. And that's why we recommend FDA-accepted Riduzone, which was developed to provide OEA to give us that, that, that I guess, uh, bridge in the gap, if you will. That if you're working out, you're doing everything else right, but you're not seeing the results you had hoped for. You're still struggling with being way too hungry. This might be what you've been missing. All right. So stop fighting nature. Manage your hunger, your cravings, your portion sizes, and your weight with Riduzone, America's number one weight management supply of OEA. And right now, you can get 30% off of a three month supply if you use my name, Steve as a promo code at riduzone.com. 30% off a three-month supply with my name, Steve, as a promo code at riduzone.com. All right, gentlemen, let's get to fake news or not. And this week, I decided we were going to spare the clips because I, I, in this ever, I was going to say evolving, in this ever devolving media climate that we are in, I think it is good that every now and then, particularly when we take a massive potential step in devolution, that that we kind of be our own ombudsmans here, if you will. We actually practice some of the self-awareness that's lacking in much of American media, political culture in this day and age, and make sure that, that and, and, and hey, sometimes it's okay just to do stuff because it's funny. But after a while... It, be- it becomes so ridiculous you can't make a point with it. And I'm, I'm wondering if, we have, if we've crossed that Rubicon with CNN. Now, they're, they're not much of a legitimate news source to begin with. Their, their, progr- their, their highest rated program is 27th in the latest cable news ratings. 27th is their highest rated program. So one of the reasons... And, and I'm convinced that, that the num- number one and two audiences for CNN are people held hostage in an airport is number one. And then number two, uh, conservative hate watchers in conservative media who hate watch it and then tweet about it. Like when, when, when CNN shows up in my Twitter feed, it's overwhelmingly more reaction from conservative media personalities than it is being affirmatively tweeted from people in its own gulag. You know what I'm trying to say? I do. All right, so... And, and so that's even getting a considerable boost from conservative hate watchers. It's still 27th. So already it's, it's not taken seriously by a good deal of the American people as a, as a place that they go to for news, which is odd because when you and I were growing up, that was kind of the place you did go to for breaking news, right? Sure. That, that, that was kind of what they were known for. The other thing is, you know, I get that. One of the things we're supposed to do here on conservative media is to counter the narrative of the left media. I understand that. I, I, we don't mind doing it. It's just, it, it's not our number one, our number one purpose on our show. You know, our number one purpose, fear God, tell the truth, and make money. Now, a lot of the ways you make money in this business is by countering the left media. All right, narrative. So it's high on our priority list, but notice where it's at on our list. Third. Okay. Third. So I, I, when I was at Salem, one of my fellow Salem hosts, we did a VIP uh, roundtable, all of the nationally syndicated hosts for all of the market managers and the board of directors that were all there. And I won't say who it was, 
but but one of my fellow nationally syndicated hosts on Salem said that he thought his job was to give the audience what it wants. I reject that whole cloth. I'm never going to do that. Now, if I can give you what you want while fearing God and telling the truth, well, I'll do it because that's how we make money. But if what I think you want is bad, I'm not going to give you what you want. I'm not going to do that. I don't think that's my prime directive here. It's a directive for us, but it's not our prime directive. But since it isn't our priority list, if we're interested in countering the left media narrative, why wouldn't we do MSNBC? They're actually competitive with us in the ratings. Their, their shows actually, they've got, they've got multiple shows like in the top 10. You know, I mean, they're actually competitive in this, in this sphere. They're, they're actually putting a, a narrative. If, if you were, if, is Nick Saban watching film on, on Vanderbilt? Or is he worried about what LSU and Georgia are doing? You know what I'm saying? Sure. You know, how much, how much are you concerned about South Florida this weekend, Mr. Badger? Should be pretty eh. concerned, actually. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. You're more concerned about the team over there, his team, right? True. Okay. So if, if, we're, if, if countering the left media narrative is one, of our, is one of our objectives, and it is, it's one of our objectives on our show. It's just not our prime objective, but it is one of our objectives. Why am I countering a narrative that is largely moot to most Americans and a joke to them? I mean, MSNBC is much more of a threat in the narrative casting department. It's not even close. And then are we at the point now where it's not just that they're not serious. And they're not a serious watch for most Americans. They're not, a serious, they're not as serious of a threat for us as other outlets are. But I think we, 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 we skirted past crazy here with this network a long time ago. And what got me thinking about this is this clip that's going around with this college professor talking about Trump. He's going to kill more people than Mao, and he's, he's killing more people. Is, is he has killed them, or he the, will kill them? Yeah, the psychiatrist yeah, yeah, that I, goes psycho, and and he's on of all so- shows, reliable <laughs> sources, a show I've been on before. <laughs> okay, and and let me give you an example. When I say self awareness is dead, so when Rob Eno and others come on our show and trash Brian Stelter, I've not said anything, nor have I defended him. But I've not joined the chorus of trashing Brian Stelter. I've been hesitant to do it. Here's why. Because the time he did bring me on his show, he treated me respectfully and let me said, say what I wanted to say. And so I, I place a high value on the one-on-one relationship. Now, I have no one-on relationship with him other than that appearance. But that's why I've been hesitant to go there because my own experience there was I was treated fairly. Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah. Okay. But yesterday, Brian Stelter liked, and he's the host of Reliable Sources. I probably need to tell most of you that because, like I just said, you're not watching this network. You're not watching CNN. He's, he's supposed to be like their media guru watchdog guy. He hosts their, their signature Sunday show, Reliable Sources. Yesterday, he liked one of my tweets. And it was the tweet when I was mocking how we on the right will have, have yet to come up with our term du jour on dismissing the 2020 polls that we don't like. We talked about this last hour, right? The word we used skewed was what we went with in 2012. Mm-hmm. 2016 was the was wrong. 2018 was rigged, right? And I was joking, we've yet to come up with what our term is yet for 2020, but rest assured we'll have one. He liked that tweet. Now, even though I've not criticized him individually, I have been highly critical of CNN as a network. And pointing out their fallacies and 
and and horse pucky, right? I've done that on numerous occasions. Sure. Think he's liked any of those tweets? No. No. So we're not reliable sources. We're partisan sources. Which, if the show is named Partisan Sources, would we care? No. No. Because hate the game, not the player, right? Sure. I mean, there's some honor among thieves. We all know what we're doing here. Okay, cool. I got you. But but it's not called Partisan Sources. <laughs> all right? It's called Reliable Sources. While, while Mr. Stelter is ignoring the 5,000 tweets I've put out, and that might be a slight exaggeration, but maybe only slight, <laughs> has ignored the thousands of tweets I've done clubbing his network like a baby seal on the National Geographic channel for its utter ridiculousness. But then when he finds me clubbing my own side's ridiculousness, he makes sure to click like on that tweet. Come on, man. And this was the show where this psychiatrist went on there comparing Trump to Mao, Stalin, and Hitler, right? And Stelter sits there furrowed brow, serious look. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so this has me thinking. Question one on the table for fake news or not, gentlemen. Like, we wouldn't have a montage where Aaron put a clip in of Al Jazeera America or Russia today, for example. Right? You just wouldn't take them seriously. Depends. (laughs) Nice. Is it time to just jettison CNN altogether and just say, "This this is just not... It's not real. I mean, it, 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 this is like responding to a Randy Macho Man Savage rant with Mean Gene Okerlund. I mean, it just, what, no one takes that seriously. And this is a pointless exercise. We have limited brain power to begin with. Let's use it on, on something that's much more of a threat. Todd, I'll start with you. Well, first of all, I just realized a couple seconds after that, Aaron just basically gave you a stay in your lane, bro, right there. <laughs> yes, yeah. he did. And I appreciate I respect that. It, and and it, was, it was done respectfully, and I respect that. Yeah. Uh, I th- my answer clearly has to do with uh, the contrast in our feelings about our neighborhood moment. Mm-hmm. I, I, not all of it, but I do think we still need to talk about uh, it because y- the joke— and the jokers are increasingly coming true and in control of things. They they get these jobs in places that aren't just in the media. We and you know this as well as anybody. They get the jobs everywhere. They control many, if not all, of the things. You we need to know how they th- what they actually think about ideas about us. I agree. What's CNN in control of? Do you think? What do they control? Well, no, I, I agree, but it, it's the type of person, okay. and and we need to know who they are. And so you have to be selective, and sometimes it is just the laugh traffic track, and sometimes it is irrelevant. Um, but yeah, you, you, you do need to know the mania of Don Lemon and people like him on some level because of how you know, it, this new story, again, alleged of what's going on and what he's been accused of, his own personal life. Yet the degree. This uh, is a form of a sexual assault. Yeah, sexual right? assault. And now there's an eyewitness that says, yeah. "I saw it." Apparently, and, okay. and the moral branding of his own that he's constantly doing. Uh, I mean, he's got his own virgin version of the Untouchables. I mean, Chris Cuomo had to come to Donald Trump's defense because Don Lemon said, "You know, I, w- I would never even dignify uh, you know, entertaining any level of handshake or anything with Donald Trump." The, the tribalism, the level of, of the left and progressivism having their own notion of the uh, uh, Indian culture's untouchables 
is is growing and growing and growing. And it's CNN is just one of multiple useful tools that are at the ready to understand and learn. We just live in too many. I, I get and maybe you said it's just because you need a vacation, but most people want to escape to that feeling that you're talking about, the gated community effect. I got to be stubborn about this. I, uh, you look around you, I've got this, I could protect this for how long? And for who? Maybe for your time, I don't know, for our kids' time. These people really do want to destroy that. So you think, do you believe there's a significant amount of people, and maybe we'll have to define what that means, do you believe there's a significant amount of people that take Don Lemon seriously? They take people like Don Lemon seriously. They are like Don Lemon. He's not, it, it, and there's enough of them to do real damage. I mean, they, this isn't theoretical. They do real damage all the time. Absolutely. They don't, of course, they're not tuning into CNN, but they've, they're still living according to the ethos of CNN. That's why we need to, we need to wake enough people up to that. So, and the, the, None of you know who doesn't believe this. The squishes we just got done talking about in the Republican Party, they're immune to this too. We don't have a party that's capable of dealing with it because we even don't believe it. We, it's all shirts versus skins, but these people really do. It's for, for progressives, it's way beyond shirts versus skins, it's absolutely existential. Aaron, what do you think? Well, I'm trying to apply this to a different area of. of discourse and and things that we talk about on this show and and really at the end of the day if we apply the same standard that we're discussing applying to cnn uh everywhere that eliminates at the very least like 80 percent of the stuff that we talk about because nothing is serious Mm -hmm. it's all beyond the pale i mean i I look at cnn right now the same same way i look at uh, memory you know, memory, I, I Middle East, um, the, the Middle Eastern um, uh, network that just monitors media over in the Middle East. Yeah, uh, that's just a do- domestic version. And I'm just like, okay, let's check in and uh, see what the uh, see what the enemy is talking about. Oh, uh, we're still racist. Okay, moving on. You know, that's how I see CNN. It's a punchline slash uh, reconnaissance. That that's basically it. There's nothing. I don't. I mean, the reason why we ditched, you know, the, the, the mainstream media on fake news or not is because of this very conversation. Mm-hmm. I thought we were past that. I just see it now as, hey, let's um, it's not even it's not even it, it is it, it is propaganda sometimes. But most of the time, it's just like uh, it's just enemy recon. That's basic. I mean, we have people in our armed forces that are watching uh, watching foreign television all the time seeing what's going on because it's a form of reconnaissance on on the enemy and so that's that's kind of the same way that i see cnn really throw any of the any of the cable news it's not just cnn guys any of the cable i mean they're the worst but any of the cable news outlets i kind of throw them all in the same category let me relate this to the epstein case and you and i have very real firsthand experience with another institution uh, a journalistic institution that we don't take seriously at the des moines register we both work there and they tried to disappear both of us you've talked about on this with the uh, the column that they gave you and then took away and pretended uh, nothing to see here mm-hmm. uh, and the, the the handful of friends that i had within the register newsroom the flat out came up to me about a conversation they had and they said if something happened with the police instance in my career and it happened to somebody who drank the kool-aid within the newsroom do you think for a second they would have treated them 
like they treated Todd and said, of course not. This would have been a front page story, how we're going. They wanted to disappear. They tried to disappear both of us, Steve. This is who they are. And and we have to pick the spots on when that's how we need to talk about this story and the other times where it's just another joke. But these people are dangerous. They're really dangerous. And, and it's not a matter of whether they are being watched. Uh, it's a matter of how many of them there really are. And these are just, it's like, it's almost, you talk about Grabian, it's just handy for us to use them. It is really handy for us to point to them that this is not, they, these aren't just people living in this weird little bubble. This, they're growing. They they control all kind, all manner uh, of our culture. They're increasingly in our neighborhood to the point of what happens in libraries at children's story time. I don't, I don't see a way of just casting off. I, we, this is what we did for a long time. I, I know internally, like this is a joke. Sooner or later, common sense kicks in. Nope, it doesn't. It doesn't. Okay. All right. I mean, I'm outvoted. But it's, it's not even the outvote because ultimately I've got the veto pen. It's my name on the show. But I like your reasonings. Because I, I, my own opinion watching the way we hate click back to them oh of course is, right. is that's as i hear you as i was listening to you guys talk i realized i think that's what's probably bothering me is should you're right because because we're not really serious about countering them we're just looking for i've got a clickbait quota that i've got to fill today agreed and 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 they're the slump buster man they're they're the low it's the question i asked aaron about his montage today i mean is this stuff just at the surface every day you can just go and grab it is it really that nuts systemically everywhere that you don't have well, to look yeah. hard for this stuff? Well, yeah. Okay? Because this is this just strikes me as, you know, man, I got to get a certain amount of clicks today. Find a CNN clip. Because if we were really serious about countering left, left, left media narratives, MSNPC has a far larger audience and, is, and cuts into the dominance of, of, of conservative media in this sphere at a, at a, at a much greater rate than CNN does. I mean, CNN's a national joke to most people, regardless of their political persuasion. So for, uh, we'll stay with the plan for the reasons you guys gave. But I, I wish a lot of people that worked in our industry could have heard what you guys said. Because I, I do think that CNN, is, is, this is just a funny ha-ha thing. And, let, you know, we're just here to, to this, is, this is an own the libs here, but not a defeat the libs thing. That makes sense? Totally, yeah. All right, let's go to the second thing I wanted us to discuss. So this story that came out yesterday, that uh, the, the 2020 Trump campaign has, um, has a plan in place to dig into um, the postings and other things of media members, similar to prob- and probably the first fruit of this is what happened to the New York Times editor, who all of his um, anti-Semitic and racist tweets from the early from ten years ago mm-hmm. were were brought forth. I'm guessing he's probably the first target of this. But uh, their plan is to essentially do to the mainstream media what they what they do to um, Milwaukee Brewer pitchers who go to their first All Star game and uh, the the MVP of the Final Four and they go find what you put on Instagram or Twitter at 14 or what gangster rap in, with album with racially insensitive lyrics you quoted right. And on the night that is your biggest night of your professional life, they try to crush and destroy you. The NFL draft, right? That's kind of the, what we've seen recently. Um, that uh, the plan is for the Trump campaign, an arm of the Trump campaign, to do this to the media next year during the campaign. And maybe it's already beginning to ramp up. And my question on this is, 
So we've been trying to, we've, on our show, we think there's a very important distinction between making them choke on their own standard, but, or lowering ourselves to their standard so that we, are, we ultimately end up helping them toxify the, the cultural jet stream in America. So my question to the two of you is, do you view this effort as, uh, by, because here's what I think. I don't, I don't view the Trump campaign as me, as we. I don't. I have a purely transactional relationship with that. I don't, I don't think it represents anything higher than the personal interest of Donald Trump on a given day. And so when, when our interests align, we're, they're aligned. And when they're not, they're not. It's a, it's a wholly, solely, I don't think anything heroic or aspirational is occurring. I think it's a wholly, solely transactional process. I think that's how Trump's wired. I think that he's proven that over the course of his 70 some odd years. And I'm just going to reciprocate that. So for me, I, I don't really care how his campaign behaves. I'm not a part of it. It's not for me. Um, on election day next November, if, 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 if I do a P&L and decide it's in my own pure vested self-interest to vote for him, I will. And if it's not, I won't. That's it. I don't really care how they behave. I don't on that level. I don't have, I'm not working for it. I'm not getting bookings by supporting it. I, I'm in no place in my life that I have to be put in a difficult position to defend things that I'm not, that I can't defend. So I don't care. And, and I kind of view it as the, the Philistines versus the Edomites. And so I, I'm fine if they destroy each other. And on any given day, if the Philistines or Edomites are, 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 you know, are, are, you know, are, are within the self-interest of God's covenant people to kind of cast the deciding vote one way or the other in the conflict, fine. But I'm totally cool if they're just down there in the valley massacring each other. Because I don't, I, I, don't, I don't view either one of these as a, as a higher cause ally. It's a, it's a whole transactional process to me. So I'm kind of like more cowbell, you know, whatever y'all want to do to each other, I don't care. But if, if, if things and causes that I do think are germane to my belief system wanted to engage in this tactic, then I do think it's a worthy debate. But what are you guys' thoughts on this? Aaron, I'll start with you this time. Absolutely not under any, any circumstances, not because they don't deserve it. But because of what you said, the lowering of our standards to the lowest common denominator, if you are so convinced, if you're so convinced that you've got the election locked up, that you can spend your resources on things like ousting probably, uh, had you ever heard of that New York Times editor or no, whatever? Never heard his name no. in my life. No. How many of the average people uh, on your street have ever heard of that person? Probably not that many. Uh, so if you're so convinced that um, that 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 you need to do this, uh, that you know that you need to do this because you're going to win the election anywhere anyway, then uh, I guess maybe if you're just bored, uh, you know, have at it. But that's not the right thing to do. I mean, it's it it is um, it is akin to I don't know. It's it's akin to just throwing stuff at a wall to see if it to see if it sticks uh, in an enter entertaining way, I guess. I just don't understand the thinking that uh, we're going to expose the media uh, to help us win an election. This is coming from the Trump campaign, correct? Yeah. So I don't understand. I don't understand the thinking of trying to expose a media that nobody watch, watches and trusts anyway. I don't see how that's going to help Trump uh, build another mile of border wall where wall hasn't actually existed. I don't see how that's 
going to to help him, you know, uh, fill in the blank X, Y, Z. You know, I don't see how that's going to help him do anything. I could be wrong. But at the end of the day, absolutely not. This is lowering our standards, becoming that which we oppose. And it's a total waste of time for a campaign that needs to be focused on other things. What do you think, Mm. Todd? Aaron and I usually agree on this kind of stuff. I I don't necessarily agree because I don't think it's automatically. I mean, it's... if it's it's that's why it's so important what Steve said about set aside Trump basically because of course well without things Trump it comes down to like lowering your standards, um, but there's also such a thing as natural consequences as a as a parent if your uh, kid uh, makes a mistake you you're not lowering your standards by ultimately saying in the right fit you know you just have to this is what this boomerang has to come back and hit you in the face to learn your lesson. You did it with your friends, and you've shared it on the show. You just all happened to be there, and the the older son got in some trouble, and you said, no, you're not Mm -hmm. bailing him out. Mm -hmm. About natural consequences. Do I think in this case with the media, it'll work? I mean, we've... We know stories with the, like an, an editor at the New York Times. They they hired some woman after we knew the things that she said. They'll hire anyway, so I don't think they're going to change their stripes. But in terms of natural consequences, to simply make them um have to drink from this fire hose uh you're you're not necessarily being petty uh, by definition it this people using this will almost uncertainly will be merciless to the point of not trying to use it constructively that's problematic um but if they need to swallow this medicine i'm i'm not opposed to it in theory how do you counter that aaron i think if if you're doing this if you're doing this out of a reaction to the left and, you know, a fill-in-the-blank uh, reporter who has gone and d- dug through anybody's tweets to try to find something to, to ruin their life or make them. If you then follow that up by saying, okay, that's good, you're letting the, the precedent there, on, again, the, or the principle there is that you're just letting the left and that what you hate define the terms of engagement. I don't, I don't agree with that. I don't think that's ever a good thing at all. And so just on principle... And again, I'm not trying to virtue signal. And again, I said at the very beginning as well, it's not like these people don't deserve that. But I don't, I don't like going down the road of letting the left just to define the terms of engagement. Now, they've already done that. And so it might be moot at this point, And who cares? See, um, but th- I just don't. I, I don't think that's the right thing. I get that broadly. But I just in terms of the we I don't think we would be honest. We don't reject this as a tool of engagement ourselves. If, if we're fighting a fight that we believe in an idea we need to defend and there's somebody that keeps flanking us. Uh, we we would I, I know we would be willing. Steve, didn't we just so you you basically I, did the well, same thing with Bop? Yeah, Steve, you're basically like you're a fraud, and I'm going to show you are a fraud because there's something higher at stake than just you and me. We, I'm will, going to win this, the, you're going to lose this, and we're going to move on to the real battle. For the sake of the argument, I will I'll, I'll, I'll grant I'll grant you that. Where is the line though? of engagement where you say no this far and no further i'm not going to do that then that's i think that's on you well, which that that could be very easy to define but hmm. I, I think there's merit to both of your positions agreed um and it's probably on a case-by-case basis i also don't think this is the case to argue it because i don't, I don't think the character of the trump campaign has Correct. any bearing on our integrity as a program or, or on any level whatsoever you know but at the very least, it'll be damn fun to watch. We'll come back, have some Pop Culture Tuesday next. 
you know, a lot of us are wondering if the days of Americans kind of putting our differences aside and coming together for the greater good, if, if those days are gone, particularly now when you see corporate America as in many sectors become weaponized uh, in, in the culture war and uh, for the hard left at the exact same time. And that's why when there's opportunities and, and sometimes, unfortunately, those opportunities don't present themselves, but when the opportunity does, for us to do business with people who are fighting for the same values that we are, we should take advantage of that. You know, one of the things pretty much every American needs nowadays is a mobile phone. That's why you want to check out Patriot Mobile. It's America's only veteran uh, conservative-led mobile phone company. You get all the exact, you know, crystal clear service nationwide. You get from everybody else like a Verizon, except unlike Verizon, um, funding the rainbow jihad and, you know, the undoing of America. Um, over at uh, Patriot Mobile, they fund the causes that, that you agree with, you believe in. In fact, they've put over two million, about $2 million of their own profits into those causes over the last few years, just since 2015. And they've got a special offer right now, you know, plans already starting as low as $25 a month. Well, right now, if you, if you select one of those plans, you can upgrade your phone to the brand new Moto Z3 Play for only five bucks a month. The brand new Moto Z3 Play, six inch screen, expandable storage, high quality camera and more. Just $180 total uh, for the whole year. $5 a month. That's all they're going to charge you. All right. For the Moto Z3 Play. Get it right now at patriotmobile.com slash blaze. patriotmobile.com slash blaze. One more time. patriotmobile.com slash blaze. All right, let's get to Pop Culture Tuesday. I, I, I thought about revisiting the topic that we were just discussing with fake news or not, because I think there's a lot to be said there. Because I, I agree with Aaron's premise, because it's the premise I've been asserting all along in this debate. So hopefully I agree with it, so I don't seem bipolar. But um, um, in this case, I'm not sure the premise applies. Right now, we don't have to worry about it, because we're not the ones doing it. This isn't being done like in the name of the, you know, the movement conservatism or anything like that. This is just a campaign that's just tired of, you know, of, of, of hacktastic fake journalists and their fake news. And they're like, you know what, you, we're just going to give you guys a dose of your own medicine. I don't work for the campaign. I don't, hell, I may even vote for it. I don't know. So I don't really care what they do. It's no reflection on us. But, you know... Somewhere this is being contemplated within the conservative movement of going down this road, right? And and do we go and look at every single tweet? You know, what was done to James Gunn last year, for example, the film filmmaker? Was that fair game? I don't know. I mean, I do think we're going to have to have this conversation. And... I thought both of you guys gave a very good account on on the two the two sides of it. Um, but it, it, it's something we'll have to discuss some more in the future. Let's switch gears and go to Pop Culture Tuesday. This is when we look at the intersection between pop culture and conservatism. And all of us here on this show are, to varying degrees, big football fans. All of us here on this show, to varying degrees, view this as one of the best times of the year. Okay? Now, Todd's got uh, prep sports daddy duty so your football season starts like around halloween right when i can dedicate it to the yeah. degree that you two yes. Can, yes yeah when you can go full bore i mean yeah. you're you're paying attention you're aware 
but you won't your your schedule your obligations will not permit you to go full you know correct head deep until mid to late october correct right? i live vicariously through you guys yes now in, in our household we we've kind of had an arrangement it's it's good to have these arrangements you know so nine months out of the year whenever it is possible dad puts everybody else's schedules first and in exchange september october november those three months whenever it's possible they put daddy's schedule first so they get nine months out of the year and daddy gets three and it's three and not four because you don't have to worry about the lions in december <laughs> yes and michigan hasn't made the end the big yes. Ten championship game yet you know now the rest of the year we go out of our way to help each other as much as we possibly can this is just unique circumstances now, the key phrase there is whenever it's at all possible. Sometimes it's not. You know, the last five years, Noah has played flag football. And a lot of those games were at 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, you know? And so I had to, and I coached his team a couple of those years, man. So I kind of had to master the art of, of not exposing. Of, people would think I was really aloof. I'd go to, in the years I didn't coach, I'd go to his games and stand way off in the corner because people had their phones out following the games and I got the DVR rolling at home, you know, and I don't want to know anything. You would have stood off in the corner by yourself. That, that, that might be true. <laughs> <laughs> but I kind of had to master the art of shutting myself off from the world, you know, because I was going to miss his games. So the, the other games that, you know, they're real, but they're not as real to me as my own son. So the, those games are going to have to go second and they were going to have, and sometimes they got spoiled. Oh, well, you know, but I wasn't going to miss his games. Right. So, you know, everything in its proper place and its proper perspective. And I think, I think there's a, you know, there's only one time so far in his life that I have put my thumb on the scale and told Noah he has to do something he wasn't sure he really wanted to do. And that's playing football this year at Des Moines Christian. Tackle football. Tackle football. And the reason why I did it is because a year ago at this time, he was crushed when mom put her foot down and said, I, I'd like my baby to have one more year where he doesn't get hit like that. So I obliged, okay? Well, he was really upset a year ago because he wanted to go play, in his, his mind, real football, okay? The reasons that I put my thumb on the scale and said, no, you're going to play is, is not because he has to play football. I don't really care if he does. It's because I didn't like the reasons he was giving me that he didn't want to play. They were I, all fear-based. I totally get that. All fear-based. I live in that home. And, if, and if, if, I, if I set the precedent now, see, let me tell you, ladies, you, don't, you need to understand how men are wired. And if, you're, if you're, if, and if you're a dad who's had daughters and you're about to have a son or you're about to have a son without daughters, let me teach you a lesson you need to learn. If you permit men an easy out and a path of least resistance, they will take it every single time. Every single time. We're all sons of Adam. If you, if you tell us we don't have to do and face any adversity to get something, we won't. That's just, that's why dudes need competition. That, that's why they need a, that kind of an environment. And I told them you're going to play this year and you go out there and decide you play the whole season, don't quit and you hate it. Well, I don't care if you never play football again. You want to do a show choir instead? I'll, I'll be at every show choir event. But, the, but you're not going to quit playing because a year ago when you were, he's just now hitting puberty. He's grown about three inches in the last year. All right? So he can actually do push-ups on his feet now. I'm like, 
So now that you are in a position that physically you can actually do this, now you don't want to when a year ago there was a far greater risk. And, and by the way, the risk of football injuries, particularly with concussions, young kids can't create much of that kind of force. That's why the concussion rate in girls' soccer is much higher. They're out there without helmets, with their heads in midair, batting the ball all the time. There's going to be accidents. Right? The, the odds that a 12-year-old boy at any size and another 12-year-old boy can meet at full speed and create a concussion are extremely low. Really low. And the older we get, the higher they get because the bigger, stronger, and faster we get. But the amount of mass and force that needs to be produced to produce that concussion, chances are 12 and 13-year-old boys aren't going to be able to produce that. Overwhelmingly, chances are. So I don't, I don't want to set the precedent with him now that he gets away with making fear-based decisions. Because the day is going to come when his dad doesn't make a good enough living that he gets to go to a nice Christian school like this. And he's, he's, he's going to be the one that's going to be expected to provide that living for other people. And if the precedent is set that every time there's adversity or fear, I get to back away, that will reverberate all throughout the rest of the course of his life. Give, I'll give Dave Days credit for this. And he didn't even do it all the time in a destructive way, even though he was abusive. But in constructive ways, when he was a good dad, he taught me I couldn't always run away from everything I wasn't good at. I couldn't always run away from something I was afraid of. And that, that proved to be invaluable for what I have to do nowadays. So I think football teaches a lot of valuable lessons about manhood, about masculinity. I think the reason why it's the most popular sport among women who like sports is everything that it means to be a man. It has football, violence, camaraderie, brotherhood, skullduggery. Can I get an edge <laughs> on somebody else? Okay. Everything that it means to be a dude, football kind of encompasses that. So I, I think it's good for the national fabric. I think it's good for the culture. I think it was either MacArthur or Eisenhower once, once was quoted as saying that the secret of American military might was we were the only nation on earth that played football at this level. And it was the closest you could get without facing. And, and when we say closest, we're like, War is over here and football is like way, way, way over there. Way. Yeah. Okay, miles away. But it's, but it's the closest miles away from preparing you for that kind of environment. All that being said, though, we can turn anything into an idol. I, it, it, early in my marriage, I turned football into an idol. My wife will tell you, I mean, if Michigan was playing well and she went out shopping and they were terrible when she got back, I'd be like, you got to go, you got to go. I'm dead serious. I would do that. I was one of those guys. You know, like I really thought like if I didn't watch commercials and stuff that I was, I mean, I get it. Okay. I did this early on in my life. Which is why I was going to, I was going to be critical. Instead, I'm going to be fatherly. Promise me, son, not to do the things I've done. Walk away from trouble if you can. If you were one of those folks in the stands, in Indianapolis, last weekend, that booed this guy when it was announced, when it was uh, reported by Adam Schefter, and then he confirmed it after the game, Andrew Luck is going to retire. And he did. He retired after the game, after the preseason game. If you're one of those guys that got up there and booed him, I saw a video of guys take, ripping their Andrew Luck jerseys off. This guy's had like three major reconstructive surgeries. He's had a lacerated kidney. 
By the way, he's been one of the classiest, ballsiest players in this league at the exact same time. There's a phenomenal video out there of him just getting absolutely yeah. slaughtered. Okay, because until last year, his offensive line was terrible his whole career. He was one of the most hit quarterbacks in this league. And there's a fantastic video out there of him just getting annihilated at full speed by defensive linemen. And he jumps right up. Hey, and even guys were like, man, I'm, I'm sorry I hit you so hard. Did you see that part of the video? Yep. And, maybe, and he's like, nope, fair hit. It was a good hit. We're men. I appreciate that. Good luck to you rest of the game. I mean, this guy's like, I mean, he was like an, an honor student at Stanford. He, he's like the all, this is Jack Armstrong, all-American boy. Went back after he got drafted to get his architectural engineering yep. degree. Yeah, not some, he, first of all, Stanford doesn't have a place to place its student-athletes like other, most schools do anyway, let alone architectural engineering degree <laughs> at Stanford, okay? This guy is, if you have daughters, you're like, please bring this guy home and say, mom, I'm getting married. This is the guy. This is the guy. He literally lacerated a kidney. He gave an organ for this franchise and for this city. Not to mention, if you've been a Colts fan your last 20 years, your quarterbacks have been Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck. Is that good? That's pretty good. And yet, you're going to boo him as he goes off the field because he's just like, I, I can't, I've rehabbed so many injuries, man. It's, it's, I love this game. But the, what it's done to my body is taking away that joy. I've made a good deal of money. I'm 29. My wife and I are about to have our first kid. I got to tap out. Now, I, I think it's even money that after a year or two that his body is healed, he may come back because he doesn't love the game. But even if he doesn't, you're going to boo that guy? Really? You're going to rip his jersey off right there in the stands on a camera? And, and let's account for, you know, some of these guys were probably just drunk and looking for an excuse to act out, right? Can, can we? Sure. There, there's part of that. And I can't really speak for Aaron, but in a past life, I'm guessing Todd and I aren't necessarily the, the men to call you to account, given at certain points in our life for such actions, okay? So let's, let's factor then that might have been some of it, all right? Right. Trying to give people the most benefit of the doubt that we can. This guy literally bled out on the field for you. Overcame some of the toughest injuries to overcome. I mean, a labrum injury for a quarterback with that throwing motion and everything else, that's the quarterback version of the rotator cuff for a pitcher. Except pitchers aren't getting hit between pitches. He's getting hit between throws during the throw and after. And I just want to tell you, your, your, your priorities are misplaced. You're worshiping football. It's an idol to you. I, yes, your team's going to probably suck this year. Yeah. Without him. Probably. Super Bowl maybe with him. Probably not finishing 500 without him. But the last 20 years, you got to watch him and Peyton Manning every Sunday. So you might suck for a couple of years. And in a preseason game where all your voices are heard because the crowds are sparse. You're going to boo that guy off the field. You've turned it into an idol.
Todd. Well, and there's been a doubling down on that. Uh, people on my own Twitter feed, because I was talking about the same thing a couple days ago, coming back at me, oh, this guy, you don't know, he's he hasn't really truly rehabbed. He's been backpacking around Europe. Um, I mean, uh, uh, Doug Gottlieb and Dan Dockich. And Dan Dockich, I really like as a basketball analyst, but both <laughs> of them came out and said something along the lines of they quit on their team to that sentiment and these are athletes saying uh, that are former athletes and right. and to some extent you allow more as you said before an athlete than joe schmo but either way i i can't believe that they aren't pausing uh the dockages of the world and thinking to themselves uh, listen you it's the sentiment you got done talking about but you and your wife i mean these guys who are ripping on him who've made it their idol you guys, think for a second that big game, not even the big game, just the regular game of the week that you watch, how you rearrange everything and make sure that that's part of And if you have to go deviate in any way, shape, or form, how grumpy that makes you, how it makes you uh, uncertain of yourself, how you... And now you're going to rip on the guy who's, you know, he's he's trying to will himself beyond the pain and the injury to keep playing that's why it took until the the last second for him to make this decision and you don't understand that because you've got the same feeling about just watching the game with your cheetos on your couch and you won't give him the benefit of quitting this thing that we all aspire to as men all of us dreamed of being this guy he had the dream putting it down is very hard yep pretty good rule of thumb if you can't do one push-up on your own or 10 maybe not your place to criticize another dude's toughness in the physical arena. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna put that out there. Seconded. Okay. Hey, one last time, we, we warned you earlier about that Amazon Capital One data breach. Over 100 million uh, identities got caught up in this. Make sure, as we get out of here today, you take advantage of this special offer. Protect your most valuable investment, your own home, from scammers so that they cannot use that information to sign their way onto your home's title or mortgage and then start taking out equity loans against your home as collateral, sticking you with those payments. The first 60 days after that kind of a data breach are when things are the most vulnerable. That's why today home title lock is offering you 60 days of risk-free protection for your home at hometitlelock.com 60 days of risk-free protection take advantage of it right now at hometitlelock.com go there put in your address find out if your home has already been tampered with or targeted 60 days risk-free protection at hometitlelock.com all right we're going to stick around here uh and do the overtime uh, as we tease at the top of the show, we're going to go a little bit more in depth on that new Monmouth poll. Is it an outlier? Is it not? How much should we take it seriously? That shows Joe Biden cratering. I need to make a correction before we get out of here. I said earlier that there was 100% of Democratic candidates in favor of Medicare for all. Aaron corrected me on that. Remember when Joe Biden said the last debate, those numbers may work in, in California and New York, but they don't work for the rest of the country. Right. Joe Biden is the one Democratic candidate that is not for Medicare for all. And in fact, he reiterated that today in Iowa. So I wanted to make that correction before we got out of here. You want to be a Blaze TV subscriber, blazetv.com slash dace. For the rest of you, we'll see you tomorrow. John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.